<laughs> Why do you wear? You can't wear a swooshy windbreaker when you're recording a podcast. Says who? <laughs> uh, okay, there we go. Sit still. Hey guys, welcome back to Direct a Podcast, episode number twelve. My name is Kurt Schneider, and I'm Kurt Schneider. No. You're Keenan Wetzel. And as always, today's episode is sponsored by Eightfold Creative. Today's episode, we're going to be speaking with director Miles J. Miles is currently up for a Grammy for his music video for Leon Bridges' song, River. He also has a spot airing in the Super Bowl that stars John Malkovich. So sit back, relax, and take a listen to what Miles J has to say. Come on. Hey, Miles. Thanks for being on the podcast today, sir. Thanks for having me. How's it going? Oh, it's going well. We're uh, just enjoying a lovely winter day here in Detroit, so trying our best to stay warm. But yeah, really appreciate you being on, man. No worries. My pleasure. Yeah, so let's let's get things started with, give me uh, one of your favorite films and why. Doesn't have to be your favorite, but just one of your favorites. Uh, Damn. Yeah, I don't know. That's always like such a tough question because yeah. it changes like every year, and they're always embarrassing when you like timestamp your life <laughs> what films you like at the time. Uh, I don't know. I feel like a film that I feel like I always keep going back to is um, the Diving Bell and the Butterfly. I think that like that film just kind of utilizes uh, the medium of film to like help tell the story, you know, in like in such a, an original way. And I think it, like it's such a nice tonal balance i think there's like so much humanity in that film and there's so much human drama in that film and i you know i find it just really incredibly like visually poetic at the same time so i don't know that film like kind of i feel like checks a lot of boxes for um you know for what i think it makes it makes a strong film so um kind of the opening question you have to ask like how did you start directing professionally did you know did you have some influencers growing up or you know, how'd you get into this this whole thing? Uh, yeah, I kind of have like you know uh, origin story. Of I just grew up on set, um, so like my whole family's in film production. So I was kind of like trying forever not to go into film production. I was like gonna do anything else, <laughs> and I think I just failed at like a lot of things. And I was like gave film a try, and I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Um, and then I just got hooked. You know, got hooked into that like that stress and anxiety and all that pressure and then making something and it just being the best feeling ever to finish and then getting stressed again when you realize it sucks in the edit and then feeling okay once it's done and then trying to go on the next thing i think i just kind of got hooked hooked to that pattern and uh yeah i've been doing it for like a long time now um was, was there something else that you thought about doing like that you know like that was your oh i love like a bad idea is like you know try to be an athlete that didn't really work what I got, sport? like decently far oh, i played like basketball decently high level in canada and then uh soccer and and whatever you know but i think like midway through high school i was like committing all my time to like basketball and then you're like okay wait like the best player from my high school which is like one of the best high schools in the country for basketball is like the coach <laughs> And then you're like, and I'm 5'11", so I'm like, well, you know, maybe I should just try something else. Um, but, you know, I think, I think weirdly, like, coming from, like, an athletic background, uh, at least, like, what I was spending my time doing a lot in high school was re- weirdly, like, beneficial for film because, 
I would be like this, you know, kid with like skinny jeans and like tight t-shirt or whatever. And I'd like have to be the captain of a team with like a bunch of dudes who are like, you know, don't fucking talk to me. And I'd be like, (laughs) okay, great. Let's run lines. Um, And I think that's like basically what I feel like now is like every time I walk on set, usually they're like, who are you? You know, because you're, you know, uh, a little bit younger than everybody else. And you got to kind of get everyone's respect really quick. But I was also really lucky in high school. I actually had like a film production uh, class, like a TV production class in high school. We just had like VHS um, camcorders and, uh, you know, like old school edit machines. And we just had this like amazing teacher who just had like so much passion. He was probably like the most passionate teacher I had in, in all of high school was like my TV production teacher. Um, and he just like really cared and pushed everyone so hard and like, you know, we made some pretty funny, funny, uh, little videos back then, but you know, I I think like mm-hmm. I was very lucky to have that, like at that level of, you know, academics. So that was, that would end up being pretty cool. Well, well, Kurt and I are both athletes too. Uh, Kurt was, Kurt ran track at Michigan state university. And I played basketball there. So we, oh, nice. we, we kind of, we get the, uh, we're both failed athletes as well. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't. He didn't go to the Olympics. I didn't play in the NBA. So, yeah, I, yeah, thought, I thought I was going to the NBA until like tenth grade, and then I was just like, yeah, it's, uh, I stopped growing, and yeah, I couldn't. I had like a forty percent free throw percentage, so that kind of did me in. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, tenth grade is that that turning point. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I think it was like I don't know. I've always like you know, been into film. Like my mom's like was a pretty big film buff and like you know showed me elephant man when i was like eight and that like scarred me for a long time but <laughs> yeah not uh, ideal so yeah i had like a lot of good exposure to like a lot of great films like growing up and so that was like always just definitely such a passion it just felt like too uh, i guess because my family was in it it just felt like too stressful and i wanted to kind of do my own thing and it just i saw like the dedication it took to like you know be in film and it felt like really intimidating and then i think once i started to kind of do it on my own you kind of just got hooked and then once you realize how much you loved it you're like okay i think it's worth worth like the sacrifice to to keep going And i think i had a very practical idea of what it was going to take just because i had like been around it you know um it wasn't like um uh, it felt like unreachable in terms of like how difficult it was but it also felt like you know if you just if you bust your ass you can you can kind of get there yeah which i'm you know obviously still trying to so <laughs> but uh yeah yeah I, I think it's kind of refreshing to hear somebody else who wasn't like out the womb i'm gonna be a director because i know that wasn't that wasn't me uh i you know like you said i was all about sports and stuff as well so i think um i can relate a lot more to people that kind of found it a little bit later on um mm-hmm. yeah i don't know but you know, where do you where do you go for inspiration? What what are some things that inspire you on a daily basis, or or if you're in need of inspiration, where do you go? Yeah, you know, it's like it's tricky. I think that like, um, I think what's what's hard is like, you know, I think a lot of the the mistakes I've made um, starting my career was just that I was so driven to. Um, succeed and reach certain goals I was just so very goal orientated that you get a bit um uh, a bit like narrow minded and narrowly focused you know and I think Mm -hmm. it became like oh I need to get this and you get this and like that was maybe coming from like an athletic point of view but I think like looking for inspiration I think or like doing work I think it's just about you know I think I write predominantly more of a writer and do more writing than anything else 
Um, and I think like looking for inspiration and creating work is just like being an interesting human being. <laughs> you know, I think that's like more than anything. I think the majority of my time right now is spent usually like, you know, reading or collecting books or like trying to just like, in, you know, uh, take in as much as I can. I think where I kind of lose inspiration sometimes is when I'm just like on job, job, job. And next thing you know, I haven't been home for like three months and I'm kind of like just drained because I haven't like taken the time to like read a book or like, you know, watch film or, or whatever, or just like go out and have like a fun experience. I think like so much of, I also think is important is just, you know, creating like a, a big wealth of like interesting experiences and obviously making interesting relationships. And, you know, it, it sounds like kind of broad, but I think like that kind of more like Herzog approach to filmmaking, I, I really like believe in. Cause I feel like I was so focused on making work, blah, blah, blah. You just end up becoming like a really boring person. Um, so I think it's just, I think it's just like, it's a daily thing. Um, and it's just like a way to kind of approach your life. Like when was like, Hey, you want to go do that? You're like, yeah, sure. Let's go do it. As opposed to like, I don't know. I got to go work, man. You know, it's like, I think there's a kind of a really important balance to, to, to those questions. Right. Are, are you a very like structured person? Do you, you know, on an off day, are you, you know, telling yourself I'm going to wake up at this time. I'm going to do right from this time to this time. Or do you, you sound maybe like more like you like to leave things open a little bit more. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, like, I think, like, you know, uh, you know, I don't know, as my dad used to say, like, bum in chair, <laughs> like, I really believe in, like, working, and I believe in, like, not waiting for something to come to you, I think, mm-hmm. like, you do it, and you go after it, and you get it done, and, and, like, sometimes time restraints and everything, it's, like, the most important thing for creativity, I think, you know, what I'm trying to do now is, like, there are some projects, you know, longer form ones that, I'm working on that like just take a lot longer and they take a lot more um more of a strict kind of mindset because it's a it's just a bigger challenge so i you know right now i've kind of been in a transition like of you know i live in uh, brooklyn but you know got a studio like a writing studio set up in in um in a city like in chinatown just to kind of make writing like a job you know and i think that what i was struggling with before was like i was like okay well like you know i know pta wakes up at like six and writes for four hours and then he's done his writing every day by like 10 or 11 a.m you know he has like by the end of the week that all adds up and you know i don't know i'm just not very good at waking up early or something but you know i feel like right now i'm trying to be strict in terms of like you know making sure you're getting in a certain amount of writing done a day Um, i think that's really important and i think that it's really easy i've seen is like you know time just started slipping by and by and i think that you know with with producing work it's just like you just kind of have to do it you know there's no real kind of way around it so you know i I think it's like yes and no i think you have to like have that balance if you just become this boring individual and just sit in your room all day like you're gonna make really shitty films um but i think that like if you just were like i'm gonna go experience the whole world then then you come back and you like haven't done anything you're kind of screwed too so you know it's definitely a balance i think but uh, you got to definitely have experiences to write about or like or to relate to, or, you know, I think even if you don't write about your own experiences, I think you need to like, you know, research projects really heavily and researching usually means like talking to people and, and making relationships with people and understanding their stories. So, you know, I don't think you can just do it sitting in a room, you know, by yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, and you say you say you sit down and write every day. What is what does that look like for you? Is there is there a feature you're working on? Are you writing about something different every day? Or is treatments? It 
Yeah, like what, what's that yeah. look like for you? <laughs> uh, definitely a lot of treatments. So, like I definitely have treatments. Like I write all my own treatments. I think that you know, right now I you know it's uh, you know I probably do a lot of commercials. I, I'll do a music video here and there. Um, like was you know thinking about a short film, but predominantly been writing um, like two feature length projects, and have another one developing that someone else is writing. Um, so, you know, for me, it's, it's kind of making sure I'm always kind of writing, uh, I guess on these like couple feature length projects that I'm working on. Um, but you know, and then, then treatments, I, you know, really make sure I write them myself. I, I think it's weird when people like get other people to write their treatments for them. I don't really know how that works. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely kind of all the balance. Like what it looks like is like pretty unglamorous, you know, it's like definitely sitting, you know, in the room by herself. <laughs> uh, so I think that's like the, the non-sexy side of, of this this uh, job. Or you're like in a hotel room and you're like drinking wine and you're by yourself late at night. So, you know, I think that's like definitely the predominant of the work I do is, is in that capacity. So is do you have a favorite part of filmmaking? Like is the pre-production, you know, while you're shooting, is, is there one that like jumps out at you? You sound like you're a writer, but, you know, is there one that you kind of, enjoy the most yeah like i think like filmmaking is like you know i i write more than i direct because you're just trying to create work or you're pitching on work or whatever more than anything um but like i like shooting you know it's like i do this to like shoot i think <laughs> you mm-hmm. know that's like by far the most enjoyable process i think like it used to stress me out like incredibly because you'd be like oh i got the shoot and i just remember being like you know never sleeping and having all these, you know, being freaked out. But I think like over time and building up confidence and shooting a lot, you kind of learn to relax. And I think that, you know, now I think when I'm shooting, I'm like probably more relaxed when I'm shooting than I am in prep. I think in prep, I'm usually like pretty, like got a lot of concerns because just so many things going on and I'm trying to make sure that everything is going in the right direction. And this big ship isn't like starting to veer off course. Um, But shooting, I find like a very relaxing process. It's my favorite part because you know, I think at least my approach to filmmaking is, is like, a, I like, you know, trying to overly prep as much as possible. But then when you're shooting, you try, I try and forget everything. And it's, it's uh, maybe it's a fucking other cheesy sports analogy. But I think that like, you gotta, what I'm trying to create when I'm shooting is things that I didn't write. And what I'm trying to create when I'm shooting is like finding something that's real or honest or um, something spontaneous or like, you know, a performance, you know, the best feeling when you leave set, is not like, oh, I could go back tomorrow and if we really did well, we could do that again. The best feeling on set is like when you're leaving and you're like, there's no way that could have happened a second time. And you're, there's something, when those like kind of transcendent moments happen that you're like, fuck, we got that and that's never going to happen. This is the best. You know, that that's the kind of feeling you're striving for. And mm-hmm. usually when you get a performance that just like kind of, just really, it just, everything kind of worked and you just got it, you know, and performances often can't happen again. So you know, if that's the kind of work I'm, you know, usually more driven, driven towards, um, that that is like a feeling and you kind of know some days you walk away like from a, a shoe day and you're like, cool. Yeah. That was like, you know, went well, like we might've like, you know, you, you know, got some good stuff. And some days you just like, you know, you can just tell everyone on the crew just kind of feels it, you know? Um, and, uh, I think that's, that's definitely the best feeling in filmmaking. I think by far is, uh, you know, knowing when you got something special. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
What would how what kind of a director would you say you are? Are you are you a pretty technical guy or you more more so hands off and allow your DP to kind of execute the vision that you've laid out for him? Yeah, like I think that uh, I don't know. I think at the beginning when I started making films and music videos and, and what have you, it's like it was much more technical because I was learning. Every job was like learning so much, so I was like super involved in like every little decision and was like you know, a bit like OCD with filmmaking, but I think I was just, you know, more than anything, was just learning how departments worked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the, for me, like one of the you know most enjoyable parts of, of filmmaking by far is like working with like incredibly talented people. You're like, wow, this is, a, this cinematographer is way better than I would ever be here. This musician is like so talented. Like when you watch them like play music to your, you know, record live like cello to your, your film or whatever. It's like those kind of experiences when you're working with people who are so talented is like by far the best part. So I really believe that like directing more than anything is like getting the best out of people. Um, so sometimes you just really have to be like emotionally in tune with like how you, your key crew is feeling that day. <laughs> you know, if like your DP was like getting in an argument with his wife or blah, 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 you know what I mean? Like you have to talk, you have to like try and get them into like being there that day or, you know, I don't know. There's, there's just a lot of factors of just like, understanding human beings and and trying to make them feel like to be excited to be there and excited to make something and feeling that you trust them. I think I didn't trust a lot of people like that I was working with when I started just because, you know, of insecurity because you didn't know, like you didn't know yourself how to make something. So when someone else was like doing it, you weren't sure if they're doing it right. And you kind of like micromanaged everybody. I think that's like, Mm -hmm. you know, the wrong way to do it. I definitely am like, now like you know super involved in so certain technical things like you know but predominantly i get to work with such amazing people that i you know have a lot of trust in them um and the more you work with someone the more you trust them so you know i guess you know more so probably with um you know especially with editors uh and i've worked with the same editor for like a year and a half now and um definitely with cinematographers cinematographers you know obviously their schedules are just so so all over the place and so busy that like, you know, you kind of work with like a short list of cinematographers, but definitely worked with a few that I've like, you know, developed a lot of trust with. And um, if I had to do a job and not tell them a single thing, I would be like totally happy with what they were doing. It's just, you know, it's part of the process to like communicate, obviously. So we kind of touched on this earlier about, um, you know, treatments and stuff like that. Is there one treatment that sticks out to you that was just like your, your best one or, uh, one that you, or maybe one that you like felt you put a lot into and, and didn't get. Yeah, it's tricky. It's like, I think that, um, I think it's this balance, which is strange where it's like, um, you know, with music video, I guess with, 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 with most, with any, like with music video treatments or commercial treatments are different. Like commercial treatments are, it's just a different, it's a different thing with a music video treatment. You're kind of usually come up with like the whole idea and that is like always very tough um, because you kind of have to like come up with the whole idea. It's going to kind of work with what the artist was thinking and hopefully it's the right thing. Hopefully work with like the strategy of the brand or the band and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's like, it's basically like so many factors. I think with, with, um, with commercials, I think that, you know, it's, it's a different beast because there's obviously a script there and there's a whole bunch of strategy. The script's probably been written for like months and, and changed and, you know, these people, you know, the, the creatives on that have been working on that for so long that they're so close to it. I think what's most important, it, you know, it's not like uh, how long it is or what you've done. I think it's just most important to like put 
the best version of whatever it is forward. You know, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of commercials, especially that I've kind of like kicked myself off. If that makes sense, because the script has come and I'm like, okay, well, this script has a flaw. Um, and I can write the treatment to get the job or I can write the treatment to make it good. And I think you have to write treatments just to make it good. And I think it sounds simple, but you end up losing a lot of jobs that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, it's not, the, it's not the like, Oh, I'm the only way that's right. And like everyone else is wrong. It's just like, this is the only way I know how to make that good. And I think that's like a really important distinction. Um, like when I, you know, say on in a commercial or music video and a music video is always tough because you kind of have to say, you're going to write a treatment before you know how to make it good. But I think with both, you know, especially with commercials is, you look at a script and if you don't think there's any way that you know how to make that good, I, I don't pitch on it. I just go, okay, like that I got the script in that like day I, I read it a thousand times and thought about it. I couldn't figure out a way to, for me and my talents and what I'm good at to make that better. As soon as I find a way in that, that treatment phase, I'm like, oh, this is a nugget. And like, I found this way. And if we do it this way, I think it'd be good. Um, then I'm like, just going to write that version. So I think my treatments are usually like, have a fairly distinct perspective. Um, and sometimes that clicks, sometimes it doesn't. Like, I don't think, you know, you definitely you get bummed out when you're like, oh, I didn't get that job, that sucks. But I don't, you can't really kind of beat yourself up because, you know, as long as you think you pitch the way it should be good, that's just like all you can really do, you know? Um, so it's a, it's a tricky balance. I think that, um, yeah, sometimes it's, it's sometimes like working, I think on treatments, especially sometimes I think there's this reverse effect where, um, less is oftentimes a lot more and I definitely have a problem because sometimes my treatments are like my commercial treatments are like 60 pages plus and they're just way too long wow um, you know and I just write way too much I think you know and I think what's what usually happens is that when you, when you get like two days or like a couple days to write a treatment I think the best treatments are really short and concise because um, you know it shows confidence to have like a really an idea boiled down like the less you can write about an idea the more it comes across the better it is you know, if you're kind of like writing a whole bunch. And so sometimes like seeming like you're putting too much effort into it, I think actually counteracts um, counteracts it. If it's a crazy, huge, complex job with a lot of moving parts, then maybe it necessitates that. Mm-hmm. But if it's just like, what's your perspective? Like, I think simplicity and confidence and like, uh, and, uh, you know, a definite vision on it, I think is, 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 is sometimes best. If that makes sense, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I'm curious, have you ever have you ever pitched a treatment with more than one idea or is it always have you always just done one really fleshed out idea and, you know, just showing, you know, full confidence in that? Yeah, I definitely would not pitch two ideas. I think that's just like kind of like, well, if you're doing like this, then maybe go with that. Like I think you're like, no, I'm confident, like this is what I'm going for, this is what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of times where you know uh you know, with, um, you know, with music videos, the music videos are like, I end up not doing, cause I've only done like four, uh, a lot of times I won't do a music video and I'll get down the line. It's like, I know the artist wants to do something and I just like, think it's like, okay, I'm not gonna, that's not what I'm going to want to do, you know? And there's kind of like a clash and you go, okay, like this is just, this one's not for me. Or they start asking you to like change your treatment. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times in music videos, they're like, oh, cool. It's really great. But what if like, and you're like, Man, like that's just, <laughs> that's just not it. And like music videos, I think like you have to like love, you have to like love it and you have to be like so into it. And like, usually on most music videos I've invested like, you know, myself financially into them or whatever, just to kind of, you know, make something, you know? So 
that one I think it's always like fun music is tough because it just has to really align you know everything has to kind of align and um, you know I think the last one I did it was just kind of like one of those moments where everything kind of aligned and it was it worked out and I'm like okay great and I think we made something that I'm you know really proud of I think with commercials I think you're going your 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 document that you're sending in is going to like a whole bunch of people um, and it kind of has to be this idea that is a spear that is going to go past other people if that makes sense and I think that just showing a couple ideas shows just like okay well it could be this could be this and then like the, that even doubts doubts themselves like and I think that happens on every element of directing I think you know directing is very very difficult if you don't have a clear idea of what you want to do like if you haven't done your homework directing is like the hardest job because you have so many decisions to make every day mm -hmm. and people are going to not give you any time to make them and they're going to come and yell at you and blah 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 blah, blah. and you're like ah. directing is a very very simple and and graceful and nice experience when you've done your homework and right. you know what you want to do and you're confident with it because then every decision that comes at you like you're eating your lunch and there's four people that want to talk to you about blah 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 if you if you've done your homework and you know what you want and you know why, um, then it's pretty simple. And some, you know, I, I guess I kind of like for that, I kind of like once I have an idea of, you know, what do I want to go for? Sure. It evolves and changes. And once you figure it out, you're going to have to just trust your gut. You know, it's like the production is going to bring you nightmares and curveballs and whatever. And you have to kind of like trust your gut. But you, if you don't know, if you haven't figured it out at the beginning, you don't have any gut instincts because <laughs> you're just kind of like floundering. And you know, I've worked as a camera assistant and worked as like on film sets where I feel like the director hadn't figured it out. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting there and you're like holding like a camera that's like a hundred pounds and this director's like making you walk here, walk there, do this, do that. And you just like, you just check out. So, you know, it's like as a crew member, you checked out. So I think for me, it was always important to kind of like, know that if you're not really confident in where you're going, your crew is going to start feeling that and they're going to start working like 15% slower and the next day, like 20% slower. And because no one wants to work for someone who doesn't really feel like what they're doing, like has value or meaning like, and that goes to every layer of the crew, you know, and if you're, you know, if you're a second camera assistant's not going fast, everything goes slow. So it, it, they, those people need to feel like motivated. So I think that you need to show, you need to have the confidence to kind of like direct people um, in the right way. And sure, you know, like whatever, everyone makes mistakes. I definitely have like done things and I'm like, okay, that's really bad. I'm like, everybody's sorry, not doing that. <laughs> right. Let's like change it. You know, and again, that's like following your instincts. I think you need to know like, okay, this is not working. Let's try something else. Like, um, I don't know if this is like at all tangenting or like answering your question. No, I, yeah, no, absolutely. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think it. Uh, I think having. I, I think going back to treatments. I think what you can do is if, especially with with commercials, when someone has a script that like you know there's been testing on it, and there's been strategy, and there's like a lot of work that's gone into like what that script is. A lot of times, what you can do is I think you can put in like be like oh here's an add-on idea like here's something we could shoot additional which would support it or here's something that could like you know be a little x factor thing we could shoot to kind of maybe mix it up and i think it's like cool to like add on things if you're gonna like change someone's script and like give them you know completely different ideas you're, you're probably likely gonna you know kick yourself off that job unless you've like drastically made some beautiful idea that you know wins everybody over which i think is probably rare um but yeah i don't know i don't know if that helps <laughs> yeah for sure so you kind of mentioned this you mentioned warner herzog earlier so i'm i'm curious i kind of know maybe know the answer here but 
do you storyboard and do you think that's something that's important? I know he, he doesn't really like storyboarding, but um, do you find that useful? Yeah, I think like, you know, I think it's important to have like documents that communicate things to people so people know what they're doing. Um, I find there's some weird dynamic that happens with storyboards because it's this like picture and it's this cartoon and weirdly when it's this like, I don't know, this is my theory, but I think weirdly when it's like, when it's cartoon, everyone can like add their imagination to it and come up with their own version of what they're imagining when they're looking at this cartoon. Mm. And then everyone has their own picture in their head. And I'm talking about like, not just your, your production team, because you're going to sit down with your production team and go through everything and blah, blah, blah. It's more when you're working with like clients or like a music label or like anybody who is, you know, probably in control of some finances. <laughs> Cause like, you know, at the end of the day, like filmmaking is always somebody else's money unless you're like, you know, uh, some rich kid who just like, you know, is going to make terrible things. Um, so, you know, I think at like the end of the day, like the storyboard tool is usually a requirement from someone who's going to pay for something. Um, so for me, I think, you know, I don't like storyboards because I think, again, you kind of need to like have a really good plan going into the shooting day and you need to know exactly how you're going to shoot it. And you've talked through all the shots like and then you then when you get there and you talk through everything, you know what you know how to like improvise. So uh, I guess like the things of let us like come out like that, uh, the little short Malkovich thing or whatever, like every shot in that I had gone through with a cinematographer and we had talked about it before the shoot day you know we've gone through and talked about this this and this and so like on the shoot day you know and then we then when we text got it even before that and we text got it he's every shot's been gone through by every department because that was like that you know we had two days with you know john malkovich in paris it was like a pretty small shoot shooting window to shoot a lot um and i wanted to kind of tell us a story that felt like pretty big um in two shoot days is like is, is is a very short amount of time for um Mm-hmm. what we were trying to do so that one had just had to be like really buttoned up there's things like on um like the leon bridges video i did there's a scene where it's like i had come up with this idea of how i want to shoot it and we shot it for like an hour and a half and it just was terrible <laughs> you know and we're like okay cool let's just pull the plug on this because this is just not working and then let's switch it up and we shoot something and we end up shooting a shot that i really love and we never would have found that in like, well, we have the confidence just to abandon something that's not working. Um, and again, like storyboards lock people, you know, not maybe lock you and your team together, but they lock like, you know, other people into their own imagination of what they think it's going to be. So I often communicate what I'm shooting through photo boards. So I'll just put like a figure in frame and I'll shoot the photo of what that's going to be. And it like has a similar like depth of field and, and you know uh lens rendition of like what i actually want to do so and once when people are going through it i'm like here's the shots they're seeing the actual setting um and then when you're talking to your crew whatever it's not like the cartoon had the lamp in the back of frame the lamp actually wasn't in the frame then everyone's talking about this lamp for a while you know what i mean it's like no this is the shot this is what we're seeing in the shot and it's a much more practical way of working and i Mm -hmm. feel like what it does is it says to everybody this is like a work in progress like i don't put in like you know, in those photo boards, I purposely put in like um, a usually it's like my AD, like this isn't director who's like standing there. Like I don't put in people to like make them look like they're trying to be the characters, whatever. Like you make it look kind of this is just a person standing there and you make it a work in progress. So then on the shoot day, when you get there, everyone's like, wow, this looks pretty good. <laughs> you know, it's like they've seen kind of like a bad version. Now they're seeing a better version where, again, I feel like 
these storyboards are like, oh man, like, I don't know. I just totally imagined it. Like it was going to be like this. And I'm like, yeah, that's a cartoon. <laughs> I, I remember I had one argument where it was like, it was a job that like I didn't really want to do. And we're on set and this client was like demanded storyboards. And I was like, okay, do the storyboards. And then I shot the shot and it was like exactly like the storyboard. And I remember the client was really upset. And I was like, what's going on? And they're like, well, he's just so, so upset. I was like, well, what is it? And they're like, well, there's a, there's a tree in the background. And I was like, yeah, yeah it's a tree. Yep. And then they're like, well, there's all these, there's all these bushes in the, in the storyboard. What does this mean? And I was like, this is a cartoon. This is not real life. Like this is real life in front of us. Like, I'm sorry. They're different. This is what it is. And it was just like, I mean, like, that was like a very extreme case where it was like, I'm sure there was other things going on that I wasn't aware of. <laughs> you know, it's like someone's looked at something for someone so long. Someone has a long history with trees. You have yeah, no idea just about. Like, <laughs> just obsessing about about things. I just find it a very like un, not a very creative way of making things. But I think mm-hmm. like everyone, I think what's so important is like learning how you work and learning how you do things well. Like I don't do a lot of VFX in my work. I don't dislike VFX. Well, I don't really like love it, but it's like that requires a lot more kind of planning. You know, there's some sequences where I'm like, it's, it's technical. So I do get into a lot more planning. There's some sequences where I'm like planning. This was like the opposite of what that scene should be about. So it's just about like an adaptive process. I think that, you know, I have more confidence in my process now because I've been doing it. uh, I don't know, like, I don't know, since I was like 15 or whatever, right? So it's like, you know, it, you make a lot of mistakes and you try different a lot of things. You try really stiff approaches where it's all super boarded. I tried approaches where I like have nothing <laughs> figured out. And like, you know, I don't, I don't really like either extreme. I think it's like, again, like planning and um, planning insanely. So then you can like have the confidence to be spontaneous and you have the confidence to change. Um, and again, that's kind of all kind of coming out of work that I think was trying to be performance driven because the the worst thing you can do to performance is lock lock a human being into a box, you know? Um, so I think that like, I kind of worked backwards from that goal. Yeah. Well, um, would you say there was kind of one, one project that kind of jumpstarted your career or what was, what was kind of like your career progression? Um, you know, you can sum yeah. it up, but. Um, yeah, I guess I've been out of school for five five six years six years coming up like i I guess um yeah i went to college in toronto to like a film school at a university called ryerson which you know has its ups and downs but um uh i guess kind of my trajectory was like i was in canada um and i had a music video that i co-directed with a friend um and at that time there was this music video that i co-directed and then i had the paint one yeah that was i just saw that yesterday (laughs) Yeah, that, uh, you know, I don't know if that, like, really represents me as, like, a filmmaker, but it was, like, a ton of fun to make. Right. Uh, and it was, like, probably the most stressful shoot because it was, like, the Phantom had, like, just been coming out. And there was, like, you had to have a four-second window. And right. was, the video is about, like, people are listening. And it's, like, a, you know, it's, just, it's a pretty gimmicky idea, but it's, like, an EDM song. And people, like, blow out candles on a cake. The cake explodes in their face in super slow motion. And we just thought it was really funny. Um, but I remember when we were shooting it, it was like, you need so much light. We were using like a phantom camera, you know, that shoots at like 1500 frames per second. And right. the only lights we had, we could get were like these cheap old tungsten lights. So we didn't have like HMIs, which are much more efficient. We have these old ass lights, which are super, super hot. And they were like three feet away from our subject just to get enough light to like expose 
the shot. And I remember the kid was like, we had to blow out this cake, was like so stressed out because we had one cake and inside the cake we had these like air cannons, which I had tested on my own face like the previous day in like minus 10 degree weather in Canada, like shooting paint, like you're shooting uh, cake matter at your face, which was like not comfortable. And so we had like one take to do this. And I remember like you have to call action and then you the camera's always rolling. So what you do is you call cut. And when you call cut, it only is recorded five seconds backwards from when you called cut. Yeah. So if you didn't call cut, like at the right time, you're going to like miss the explosion. And we try to get as much as anyways, it just was like really fucking stressful. Like first time music video <laughs> things, but yeah, I think I had that music video. And then I had a short film, which, uh, called blink, which is, um, about a social network that took place on a contact lens. Um, it's about like an editor of that social network who uh, becomes like obsessed with um, one of its couples. And at that time, that felt like a pretty fucking weird idea. And now that's like normal, which is very strange. And I, I'm pretty sure it's like a Black Mirror episode. that's like exactly the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I, I, it's I reminded me of that the second you started yeah, explaining it. I haven't seen Black Mirror, but everyone's like, you got to watch that thing. And I'm like, no, it's like, I don't know. It seems too close. But yeah, basically that I had a short film at like at the TIFF student showcase at one that like best director best film kind of thing and then and then i had this music video and then my friend who i co-directed work was working at an ad agency or like is a, he's a he's a creative director at the time was an art director in an ad agency and he was like we had submitted this thing called the young directors awards in can and i was like like the ad can and i was like what's that he's like oh it's this whole other can it's like after can and i was like what <laughs> like i didn't really like know what that was at the time like what the can lines were um so we submitted it and then it got uh, shortlisted for like the Young Director Award. Um, and that's like, I guess, like, you know, it's like the top five music videos in the world or whatever at the time. Um, and then we went and I was like, I had no idea what I was going into. And suddenly you're like in this whole, you know, ad commercial production thing. And it was like just people, I don't know. I just feel like I was like bombarded into like a whole bunch of parties and craziness for like six days but we ended up losing to uh gustav johansson i think who's oh, like yeah. obviously fantastic and <laughs> did that, Volvo, like, his video. Volvo spots are insane yeah no gustav's like you know he's the man so yeah it was like i was like it was cool because it was like i just came out of school and it was like here's this whole world here's all these other young directors who are like i found i've seen all their work and I didn't know them, and suddenly you get to like meet all these like really talented people. I didn't get to meet Gustav, which is a bummer. I have still never met him, but um, uh, yeah. And then after that, I, a bunch of Canadian production companies started to ping me, and they're like, "Oh, who are you?" And I didn't win, so it wasn't like you're coming out of there like, "Yay, you're the you're the best." It was more like, "Cool, I was here and lost," you know. And you're sitting with the other people that lost. But a bunch of Canadian production companies kind of gave me offers to meet with them uh you know for commercial like music video companies um and then at that time like you know you go through a bunch of meetings in canada i didn't really have any interest in like i like interest in like a couple companies in the u.s or a couple in europe but they're all like kind of random um and then this one canadian production company um basically was like the first one i met they like you know you're going into a meeting and i like just graduated college and they were like hey so like you're a director and you kind of, I just like, I just like would, would like giggle when someone like say, if you're a director, I just thought that was so funny, you know? Cause I was like, I was like, I'm totally lying to everybody. It's like, when's someone going to like call me on this, you know? And just like got out of college, like, yeah, I'm a director, but like, I just felt like such a fraud. Um, and just kind of like went with that. And they kind of the next day, like gave me an offer 
And then I met a bunch of other companies and other people would be like, you'll never work like after the recession, like, you know, there's no work anymore. And like, your work's not this. And I was like, fuck people. I remember people just like sat me down and told me like how I wasn't going to go anywhere. And like, they took the time. It took like an hour to do that. <laughs> and I was always like so shocked of how much time people gave me to tell me like, it was like, this wasn't going to go anywhere. And I was like, that's really cool. Um, like it takes like three or four years to like really get you going and working in Canada. I was like, okay, great. Okay, cool. So you're negative. Um, and then just went with this company. They were just really confident and they're called OPC and they're in Toronto and they're just really confident in me. And they're like, look, you know, you're the, you're going to be the one that's going to push your career forward. Like we can try and give you some shots, but it's only you that are going to make, you know, make this happen. So they were kind of like, what do you want to do? Um, what I liked about them is that they're very much like do it yourself. They're like, sure, we can try and get up on some commercial things here and there. They're probably going to be like super, super low budget or like some PSAs or whatever, but like, let's be scrappy and let's fight and let's like try and do things. So then we did a music video together and then we did a, uh, ended up doing this like interactive short film that was an experience of, of, uh, being autistic um, called Carly's Cafe, which I was really into like interactive filmmaking at the time because I thought it was just like people weren't, I thought it was just, you know, a new foray and people weren't doing anything in it. And basically it was written, it's based off this book um, of this uh, girl, Carly Fleischman. And, and uh, she was born like with, you know, nonverbal autism and, and couldn't speak. And then at, um, at 14, and, you know, her whole family would speak about her in front of her like she couldn't understand them they thought they she had like the mental capacity of like a, a four-year-old or something you know and it's, this is very common and you know families don't really think anything of it and then one day she sat down at a computer and uh typed out like my teeth hurt and they were like mm, what <laughs> like a like how do you know how to type like b how can you spell and also like just this, this level of communication that um they didn't know she could have and so basically she learned how to type um, and, uh, through that, she's been able to like communicate like on a very normal, uh, you know, as normal as you can be to have mm -hmm. like such a degree of autism. Um, but she wrote a book with her father about her experience and it's pretty, it's, it was a pretty beautiful book, you know, because it's really hard for a father because, you know, it's just, it, it's tough because you don't know what your child's experiencing. Your child is going through pain and you can't help your child and you don't know how, to do anything about it and you feel helpless and um so and then and then you feel like incredible guilt because you've been speaking in front of someone you love like they didn't exist their whole lives and i i don't even know how to mentally like comprehend that um because i'm just like you know you know still single um so long way to go on that one <laughs> but uh you know i think for me it was just like it was like wow what an emotionally intense and complicated situations so we made this this interactive film which basically she wrote her experience of what it's like being in a coffee shop where you know for as a simple metaphor for people who like want to know what her version of autism is obviously autism is like a, a very big, big big spectrum so she's like this is only my experience but the inability though you know a lot of people with autism experience have a lack of controlling their senses so Basically, you would start this story, and if we moved your mouse, you could have different vantage points of this story. And then there's these certain stimuli, like suddenly, like this blender goes off, and all your attention's focused on that. And then you're back to the story, and you're like, but it's a bit later, and you're kind of confused what's happening. And then something else happens, and then it, you know, it takes your, 
your attention away. Um, so you, it kind of kind of slowly goes in, into this this um, this narrative where you get more and more um, kind of disorientated until like you very eventually lose control of um, the interactivity and then um, you kind of experience like this being completely overwhelmed with your senses, which it, which seems was very common with her experience. So yeah, that project, you know, was like insanely tough because you're shooting like one, a single camera with five different vantage points and you shot one camera at a time and you had to have all these cameras sync up over time. And then you had to like each lens, I started to like, you know, make characteristics of the lens to make it more organic, at, you know, with like lens babies and shift and tilt lenses or whatever, mm -hmm. like over time. So it's such a graduation and also doing it like completely out of, out of order was like probably like the biggest mind fuck of a shoe day I've ever had. Um, but anyways, we did that project and then that ended up went back to that one, like a young director's awards the following year in Cannes. So kind of went and lost and then came back and won one. Um, and then that project kind of got me enough notoriety to, um, get repped. Um, at, uh, I got, you know, a handful of companies, like some big ones were like, Oh, you're too young still blah, blah, and X, Y, and Z. But a company that I was really, really wanting to go to, um, was interested in me in a company called be real. It was like a Swedish company that was like specializing in interactive filmmaking. Um, and I was lucky enough to like, you know, get signed by them. And then like, you know, five months later I got my first job and I was like, traveling around the world and shitting my pants and had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah and it was out there for like with them for two and a half years and then and then with the smuggler where i've been for two years cool so i have to ask about the john malkovich uh, squarespace ad um that seems like it's it's a couple different components there's the there's the long form one that seems kind of more dramatic and i mean it shifts tones throughout the uh you know film but um tonally it's different than the the short firm form one where John Malkovich is just dress, uh, addressing the camera. I'm curious, like when you were pitching that project project, were both those in play and how did you kind of um, talk about that? You're going to do two videos that are kind of different in tone. One feels more commercially and the other one kind of is more of a, more of a dramatic film. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that project came to me basically as like two creative directors who started their own company called John and Hannes. Uh, and they were, came from an agency called Droga five. Mm -hmm. Um, and they came to smuggler and they'd previously done work with smuggler that, um, had done really well. They'd done this like, um, uh, Giselle under armor, uh, spots that Jaron Alberton directed that are, that are really strong. So they were like coming to smuggler and like, Hey, we have this, you know, new projects with Squarespace. It's, it's kind of like, you know, a lot was still, you know, very open at the time. So I think at that time they were looking for a director to collaborate with. And then, you know, then they liked me and then, you know, I got engaged in the project. Um, so how that kind of worked is it's very, it was very, it's very unusual, I think in, in a commercial context. Um, but we, they knew that they wanted to do like there's a series of spots that were coming for the Super Bowl, and then they wanted to do one kind of longer film um, that would live on its own and be kind of you know they're all on the same narrative and the same idea that like John Malkovich like literally has been like making clothes for like you know a decade and really wants to kind of take a big shot at at being a designer. So um, it was all about that narrative, but they were kind of looking to me to kind of help them flesh out the 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 narrative one the mm -hmm. i guess like the kind of yeah there's the narrative one then there's the more like you know um the one that's more like a spot um 
you know, so we kind of worked in tandem. We went down and met John and like spent a weekend with him in um, New Orleans. And, you know, the way I like to work is pretty reactively where it's like, you know, John just kind of told us a bunch of stories. We had like a six hour meeting and then, and then I was like, okay, I thought like there, everyone's like, keep the meeting short. And it went like six hours. <laughs> and then he was like, where are we going for dinner? And I was like, okay. And then next thing I had like a super long dinner and just kind of got to know him and then ingested all his information then went and wrote his story. Um, you know, he spent a lot of time in, in the south of France and it kind of seemed interesting to like shoot that in Paris and, and have him kind of like away from his family and just, you know, the commitment of, of kind of being like this nomadic character. And I think, you know, he definitely, you know, when we met him, he was with his wife, he travels with them in, or most of the time in, um, in New Orleans. So he's like not necessarily at home. It's very much just like being an actor is kind of like always being away from people. Um, so yeah, I kind of wrote that, the, the more narrative one with the agency, uh, with these two creative directors and we kind of went back and forth and, um, and, uh, also with, uh, yeah, then the, the the more ones the spot was more like this was this was their script and you know we kind of workshop together but that was predominantly that was definitely you know all their idea and their writing um, and uh, you know we workshopped a bit with John and then on the day like John just kind of like freestyled and improvised some stuff that I just like think like, there's so much shit on that on like the B roll of that like stuff that's not on the edit on that one that I just find like so funny that I wish could be seen one day but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he just, like, that was definitely more of, like, a traditional, like, you know, here's the script, like, plus it, but, like, this is the script, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and I think their idea was, like, it's very relatable, you know. Uh, I was actually, like, I was, like, started laughing you know, behind the monitor, like, half the time I was, like, getting really embarrassed because it just was, like, so funny to, like, watch. But <laughs> it's also a very, like, delicate thing because, you know, it's, like, I've, like I don't know what John's relationship is with like that movie and it's like the first thing I have to do is direct him to like play himself like where I think in the narrative one he's more like you know he's more being himself that's what he's like right. in real life mm -hmm. like such a gentle kind man and in the other one I'm like okay now you gotta get angry <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like pissed you know off I, 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 yeah and I, I think that's something we've seen so many times I don't think right. that like is very indicative of like what his actual personality is like you know he's mm -hmm. just like yeah that's a role he's really well known to play so it's it always it was like you know it's stressful to have to be like okay cool so let's try one like this but i, I remember there was like a moment when we were shooting and there was an, a version of the script where there was a bird that talked to him uh i mean i'm not using it but uh the point is that like we we're doing this uh, the script and it was like the first thing we're shooting with him and it's like the first time working with john and i'm like okay cool like don't fuck this up because he's like <laughs> quite intimidating yeah uh, <laughs> he doesn't mean to be it's just more intimidating you're like working with an actor of that caliber you right know, you're like okay this guy's highly more intelligent than me and you know he would say things to me like yeah just just you know just make it good just don't fuck it up but i'm like okay cool <laughs> um and then we were shooting this one scene i was like okay john like we're gonna do the thing well, like with the bird this time he's like okay okay miles okay i was like okay cool bird one and then we go to do the bird take and then he's not reacting like i was the i was I, I, like there was never the the bird was supposed to happen at a certain moment of script and he, he didn't do it so i was like okay there's always that like tense thing where like you don't i didn't ask him if he wanted to get a cue that reaction or if he wanted to do it himself i just assumed he was going to kind of do it himself and i just think there's a you know you don't in general like cue respectable yeah. actors you don't like yell at them and i was like all right and bird he goes don't ever fucking fucking interrupt my fucking thing starts like freaking out but like 
I was behind the monitor and he was like directing it at me and I just was like, oh my God, I'm going to fucking piss my pants. And I was like so morally terrified. But then I realized he was just like talking to the bird in the take and that's what he was doing. But there was like this whole moment that I was like, oh my God, I'm being yelled at on set <laughs> and I made such a mistake and I'm such an idiot and I'm like going to kill myself. Uh, but you know, <laughs> that was a really intense, intense moment. But then I was like, oh, this was just the thing. He's like, then that was just the bird. But it, it, still, it still freaked me out. Well, you, so you sit down, you have this like six, eight hour, you know, interaction with John and then, and then you go back and you, you, you know, kind of put together the story. What, what did that look like? How do you, yeah, how do you kind of put that together? Well, I think it's like with any project, like I think most of my projects, like the AT&T thing with Fletcher Cleese was similar experience. Like the Leon Bridges video is the same experience. Like I think that you know, I really enjoy telling other people's stories. So, so much of that for me is just about listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my life is like in generally like, I don't know, like there's not many, I don't really know if there's a need for more like white males to like kind of tell like their personal story, especially like myself. I'm like, Oh, I grew up in Vancouver. That was pretty chill. You know, I went to <laughs> Toronto. That was pretty chill. Now I live in Brooklyn. Like that's been pretty cool. You know, uh, I, I'm much more interested in other people's journeys and right. stories. So, you know, for me, it's like, you know, you're kind of, you research a bunch and you have a, you have a sense of what you think and you have this meeting and then you just see where that goes, you know, and sometimes it's multiple meetings. The Leon Bridges video is like, I spent like two weeks in Baltimore researching a feature project um, and just got like, a, made a tremendous amount of relationships with people, you know, had, you know, um, I'd seen so many things just by like hanging out uh, and like, you know, walking around with people um, with John's thing. And there's just like certain nuggets that I thought were really interesting and certain conflicts that he was going through. And of course, like that film that I think is indicative of like, it's not John's like real life per se. Like, you know, he likes to stay at that hotel and that's like the room he likes at that hotel. There's like, it, you know, there's things of conflicts of, you know, being rejected by fashion people and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, we it's definitely dramatized, but I think it's like, you know, dramatized in a way that's like trying to be like indicative of like what he's gone through, but also like in an entertaining, you know, charming context. Um, so I think it's like the skill set of the writer or filmmaker to like take the research and take what you've learned and craft a story, you know, and I think that's why writing is like, the most integral part of the process because filmmaking is hard and it's a lot of work and it's like i'm kind of it's fun just to go make 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 shit you know like it's cool it's like you get to go like fly here and like sit in a van look a bunch of shit and like (laughs) blah blah but to be honest it's like unless it's like the writing is good it's like a lot of work and then you see at the end you're like well yep that's just is what it is so you know I think directing is is so easy when you have really great writing and you have great talent on camera. Right. And if you have those two things, it's like 90% of the work. If you've cast really well and you've written really well, and then if you have like a great DP, you're kind of like, cool, I'm going to get a coffee. Like, what do you guys need? Do you guys need anything? <laughs> you know, like you, you just got to make sure that like you're steering the ship in the right way, you know, and I think um, – I think when you hear like really great directors who are like, oh, that director is barely even talk to an actor, it's because like they've the, the writing is really good and they've cast really really well, you know. Um, and I, and again, like cinematography and production design and all these other technical aspects like really make a difference. But if you have great performances 
and a good story, like all that stuff can be subpar and you can still have like an incredible, incredible film. You know, I think I just the film recently, it's like, uh, you know, a film like Tony Erdman is like, you know, a movie that I've really, really loved recently. And it's like German movie. And I don't think like that movie will never be like, oh, my God, it's like the best shot film of the year. Like you got to see it. It's so gorgeous. Or like the production design is like the best. Oh, my God. But it's not it's nothing like that. It's just like sure that it's shot well, like it's, you know, it's directed well, but like the performances are so strong and the writing is incredible. And that's, you know, by far the two most important things, at least I think in terms of like, you know, telling a story that's going to connect with people. So I think that, you know, how do you get from research to an end product, you know, that like tells a story that's mm -hmm. like, that's just, I think, like storytelling and filmmaking um, in a commercial context. It's always a bit different because you have your edits that you think tell the story. And then some people want to change that. And, you know, ultimately it's their decision and you kind of have to like try and guide people to, you know, tell the best story. But, um, you know, yeah, I think that uh, the storytelling thing is that's just kind of what like, you know, the whole thing is about how you get to, you know, A to Z. So uh, do you have any projects, you know, you kind of mentioned a couple of features you're working on, anything, you know, you're working on right now that you could kind of talk about a little bit, you know, anything you're specifically excited for? Yeah. Like they're, you know, working in a, been writing and working on a project that's got to do with artificial intelligence. And, um, uh, that's like, you know, not like in like too much specifics, but that's like an area that I think really fascinates me, but, mm -hmm. um, I'm really fascinated in artificial intelligence, not in a capacity of like, um, uh, like cyborgs, which I think a right. lot of that stuff, I think I'm much more interested in like the invisible aspect of it. If that makes sense. Um, and the aspect of AI you don't see, which I think is like affecting our lives right now. And I think it's affecting politics. I think it's affecting everything. Um, I, you know, so I'm, I'm kind of working in a story that has to do with that. And if I, even if I don't fuck it up, I think it's going to be like a really compelling science fiction movie that doesn't have uh, robots. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I think that, like, you know, Ex Machina dealt with the difference of... It dealt with the idea of finding empathy with a, with a robot to such a degree where you, like, rooted for her and then she turned her back on you and you felt that, like, you know, I think that her did that to a similar degree. Um, I think that Westworld is, like, that, mm -hmm. uh, you know thematic idea of consciousness and intelligence and there's a lot of things but it always has to deal with like these human beings that we're creating i guess in her it was more like you know there was an ai that was invisible you could talk to but um yeah i just feel like once we create uh ai we're it's it's it, 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 the problem is not gonna be it's not gonna be like fucking robots walking around doing right. shit. It's a problem that we've created things that are by far more intelligent than ourselves. And it's it's gonna be that would get out of control way quicker than robots will. And I think what you're already seeing, like I think right now in the world that we've created systems that are too complex for the human brain to comprehend. And we rely on algorithms to function in our daily lives. Like we can't no human brain can like comprehend the Google search algorithm. You know, it takes teams of people. No human brain can comprehend like global macroeconomics. Like it takes algorithms to like, you know, the point a thousandth of a second can be like, you know, millions of dollars in difference of a trade and shit like that. You know, mm -hmm. like it's just so far beyond human cognition that we've kind of already given the keys over to 
like the, you know, the uh, power of data and, and all that. Anyways, I can go on forever, but I feel like I'm really interested in like how that affects humanity and behavior and our need for narrative and our need for control and our need to feel like we have meaning and blah, blah, blah. It's just a really interesting time, obviously, what's happening politically in, in the country and, you know, with social media. Like I was at like, you know, the Women's March in D.C. and it felt like I don't feel like a process, protest like that would have happened in like the late 60s or 70s you know i think it was a really beautiful experience to be there it was like i was super inclusive it was so positive and I, you know whether whatever your politics are i i think if you're against people like supporting you know any minority or women for that mm-hmm. matter then you got some issues <laughs> but uh whether you like voted for trump or not and i'm not right. even i'm canadian so i can't even vote but um you know i just felt that like were divided like i didn't see any protesters for trump you know and i feel like it just felt so one-sided that it felt like we're all organized on facebook everyone came together from facebook everyone came together from all these like similar-minded people but you don't ever see the other side like so you could experience that whole weekend without any seeing anybody maybe like one or two people who supported trump and i don't think that's healthy Whereas, like, the day after the protests, like, I was like, oh, I've never been to Washington. So I went to the White House. I went to Lincoln Memorial. And I kind of, like, did my little crash course of uh, Washington that day. And there's tons of people who were, like, you know, wearing Trump hats and wearing mm-hmm. Obama hats. And there was, like, a natural collision of differences of opinions. And no one was freaking out at each other. Mm-hmm. Everyone was just walking around and, like, being normal. And I think that's, like, so much more important. I think that's, like, really important for democracy. And I think what's, like, kind of being eroded is that, like, we're just so siloed. And everyone's obviously hearing about algorithm bubbles and blah, 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 which is, like, ironic because I've done, like, commercials about, like, algorithms and stuff. You yeah. Know? It's, like, uh, but it, it uh, yeah, I think it, it's just not, I don't know. So, anyways, that, that, those things are all kind of really fascinating. So, it's, like, one story that I'm working on and some other things that are kind of, kind of going that are, like, other people's um, stories that are optioning. But, well, but yeah, I don't know. That sounds really yeah. cool. Looking, uh, looking forward to seeing that. Hopefully, it comes together soon here because it does seem, you know, something that's really relevant, especially, mm-hmm. especially nowadays. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, so we like to we like to just end it. What's uh What's one or two things that you know now that you wish you would have known when you started out filmmaking? Or, yeah, or advice think, to young filmmakers. Uh, I think like the thing is that I had a lot of fear of making bad things you know, and the fear of making bad, I think I still have, obviously have, have the fear of making bad things right now and like, you know, ruining my career and blah, blah. But um, I think that that fear um, is like paralyzing, you know, and that fear is the opposite of being creative where you should be like excited and, and pursuing things. And I think that that fear and that pressure, especially like now we have this like social context of filmmaking, like filmmaking is so, like I love Vimeo and Instagram is great. I love all these, these communities are really cool. And like, obviously that's how we connected, but there's also this social pressure and maybe other people don't feel it. And maybe I'm just like neurotic, but no, I, I, think yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about that. Like, Oh shit, I got to post something and all these yeah. fucking people are going to see it. I think that's like, can be really against, uh, being creative and mm-hmm. it's really against like taking risks and failing. So, you know, I think that, I really strongly believe like if I know what I'm doing, then it can't be original. Like if I don't know what I'm doing when I'm going to a job and I'm having to figure it out and I'm like trying to do something and I'm like, Oh, this has an opportunity to like 
be original. Mm-hmm. And then if it's not even about being original, if, if I'm not like fearful of what I'm making, if it doesn't freak me out, then I know I'm not pushing something hard enough. So it's like, if I'm not like physically like freaked out, <laughs> then I'm like, uh, okay, this is too safe. Like I've done this before or someone else has done this before. And it's not about like, Oh, like I, I think that like that Leon Bridges video I've done or that AT&T thing. I don't think they're like drastically original pieces. They're not like, you know, it's not, um, you know, like, you know, Ryan's, uh, young thug video. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, not, it's not, it's not original, but I don't, I, I, for me, I'm saying it's not about like this sort of the goal of just being something new. I think they're like very emotional pieces that like connect with people. And I think that's what I will, you know, that's what I'm trying to do. But I was freaked out about making both of them. Like there was like high stakes and there was moments that I needed to get that were like really, really difficult. And it might not seem so when you see it afterwards, but you know, they, they put you out of your comfort zone. So I think like the most important thing, the thing that I didn't do enough of was like, just make more shit. You know, I think I like stopped making this video. I, I got cold feet. I pulled, you know, I you still do this to today. You're kind of like, Oh, I just don't know about that one. You kind of pull back on it. And I think when you're starting out, like you have to, tr- you have to do a lot of stuff cause you're trying to figure out, okay, a, like, what you like to do, how you like to do it and why. And you have to answer all these questions to yourself, which take time. If you do like two projects a year, it's going to take you a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. If you do like four projects a year, five, or say if you do like two personal projects and like five commercials or whatever, like every project helps you figure that out. I used to get like, everyone used to work on my reel like three years ago and be like, we just don't know who you are. And I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. That's very, I don't know really quite who I am, but you know, trying to figure it out. Yeah. That sounds good. And, you know, and now people are like, Oh, we like see you in your work. And I'm like, well, nothing's really changed. I just know what I like more and I have more confidence in what I like now more than I did before, just because I've done more stuff. Right. You know, it's like went from shooting like five days a year to like 50 days a year. So I think it's just like, no matter how small or big the project is, I think you got to do a lot of stuff. And I think like, if you don't like it, don't, uh, don't put it out on the internet. You know, it's not the end of the world. Like if you do something, it's not great. Like just don't put it. I think even if you, you know, people have friends make things now, they're like, Oh, you know, I tried this thing. Didn't really work. They don't put it out on their like website or Vimeo page. It's not like everything you make, you have to put out. Mm-hmm. And I think that like that social internet pressure of these like communities can be like kind of a, a downside and a negative thing. Um, but also, you know, at the end of the day, it's like the small film community of people online is like super small and you gotta kind of have to like not stress yourself out too much. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I just think make more shit. I think you just got to make more shit and just try stuff and, you know, fail or else like it sounds way easier than it is. Cause when you're doing it, you like, obviously you never want to fail. But I think that I regret not making more stuff. I'd make like one thing a year that was personal, you know, and just, would have had to put so much energy into it. And I think that I'd rather, I'd made more things starting out, you know, happy where I am now, but I think it, you definitely gotta, gotta make a lot of shit to kind of make what you like. And I think a lot of people quit because they can't get to where their taste levels are. I think mm-hmm. you gotta make a lot of stuff to like get to where your taste levels are. Then as soon as you get to where your taste levels are, you have to like work super hard to push your taste levels further. Yeah. And then that's the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah i don't know I've, I've, i don't know awesome yeah no cool. that makes that makes total sense yeah i think i think that's kind of the pressure with with social media is just that there's people are always putting content out there so i i feel like it kind of it makes people think like oh i just need to get something out there instead of really like taking the time to do it right i think i think that's a huge issue in today's culture is just people are like you, you see these YouTube stars are putting out daily vlogs and they get all getting all this attention. And then you've got guys who 
you know, lock themselves in their basement and actually put the time into getting something done that's meaningful to them. But it, it's it's difficult to do that because you feel like you're missing out on the world around you, you know. So yeah, I think it's also something about like you know, I was definitely there's a there's a need right now for people to make projects that chase attention. Mm-hmm. you know like and i think i definitely made those mistakes like i think even like that fucking cake music video it's like we knew that people were just gonna like watching that so we made it you right know? and i don't think that represents at all myself as like as a like as a writer or storyteller or whatever director you know i think that that was like we're gonna make shit we need to get attention start our careers let's make this people are gonna look at it it's gonna get some clicks and like cool and it got like a hundred thousand views and like a couple of days and at that time that felt like that felt insane at least to me i don't know mm-hmm. um and i think that like that's just not what you should do at all <laughs> you know and i think that like there's there's a lot of people that get a lot of attention really quick and i know some people look at me like oh you've been directing for a long time and i'm like i feel like i'm just starting but i yeah. guess like, in context like i've been working especially doing commercials for like quite a while uh i don't know that seems weird to say but um uh, I think it's just like making work that you believe in, whatever, right. whatever it is. Like if you want to make these like really high concept, non-narrative, like fashion videos, cool. Just like do that. But also if you get a lot of attention for one thing, you're going to have to like keep backing it up and you're going to have to have the skill set to back it up. And I think that some people like make a thing and they strike and then they strike and then the next couple of things like suck, you know? So you really yeah. just have to like make sure that when like you get those shots and those opportunities that like you have, the skill set to kind of walk through the door like that Leon video. It's like, that's the only song that's like got sent to me. I was like, wow, I love this song. And to the label, I like emailed them back. I was like, are you really saying this to me? Like, why are you saying this to me? <laughs> I was like, this makes no sense. Um, and they're like, no, no, we think you could be cool. And, um, you know, like that was just like, I was like, okay, cool. Here's an opportunity where like, I absolutely like love this song. And I feel like I have the skill set to like step up and, and do something with it. Um, so it's a tricky thing, but, uh, yeah, I think it, you just got to do things for the right reasons. I think to have longevity, I think right. is my point, like, I think you have to do things that like matter to you. So it's a weird, it's a weird paradox because you have to do things that you care about, that you honestly feel that you connect with because then other people are going to connect with them. And there's a really big need for people right now to do things for attention. Um, and you constantly see these videos. It's like just a really great human pieces that do really really well that like don't have any fancy x y and z you mm-hmm. know and you see a lot of like crazy really overly super well produced things that obviously nobody cares about um so yeah i think i think if you like you know are making things that you feel like that you are like and want to watch and that you you know you feel important about i think that's gonna keep i think it's about getting attention you'll probably have like a maybe a short blip in in the radar but who knows you know? Yeah. I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> there you have it, guys. That was Miles J. Super talented guy. Highly recommend staying up to date with him. You can check out his work, uh, vimeo.com backslash Miles J, or head to his website, milesj.ca. That's going to do it for us this week on Direct a Podcast. Tune in next time with a new director and some new questions. Until then, peace. <laughs>